Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salami. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Steve Cooper, our our forlorn New Yorker, Steve. Hey Steve, how are you? <laughs> how you doing, Tom? I, I heard you pining with Matt McCambridge, the CEO of Eden Health here. It's a New York based startup and I could just I could just hear the, the wistfulness in your voice that Oh yeah. It always makes me happy to see New York stand up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, Eden Health has an interesting story. Why don't you tell us a bit about uh, about what they're doing? Well, I, I, I think that um if you if you look at it, it it's a it's a technology as a, as a first as a, on first sight um, around you know enabling you know prim- better primary care. I think that what they they realized that, though was that they had to deploy that technology through the actual uh, delivery of primary care by working with their own proprietary clinics. And their own sort of delivery mechanisms, and, and that's what's most interesting about this interview. Um, you know, we're seeing, you know, through if you look at the portfolio of interviews that we've done, uh, a revival of the primary care model as the centerpiece for improving delivery of care to patients. We're seeing that that happen in in some traditional ways. Um, we're also seeing it happen through. Uh, the application of technology, you know, we'll talk about Rubicon MD and the ability to bring in specialists to the to the fold. Uh, this is another example of that. I think it's very interesting to uh, to, to note of how technology is really playing the role of delivering on a service here. So we, in the venture world, we would call this technology-enabled services. It's a cool idea. Yeah, I mean, is there a concern investing in a company that has? It runs clinics like that. I mean, that gets to be an expensive proposition, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, you've got to certainly look in, at the economic model uh, and make sure that you have some level of certainty that you'll fill the clinic with business uh, in within a reasonable investment time frame. You know, there are people that have given up on this idea. You know, Harkin Health was a United Healthcare internal venture. We did do an interview a couple of years back on that and they ended up not succeeding. So, um, and that was inside of an insurance company. And, and I'm sure there were reasons for, for that. Um, if you listen to this interview though, I think, uh, that, that Eden has a good idea about how to sell what they're, what they've built and be certain that there's not a significant amount of losses involved in getting, you know, these individual clinics rolling. Um, and I think they have very good reasons for applying, the, you know, mashing up, if you will, the the technology and the service. Excellent. So we'll leave it up to the listeners to decide if they think it's a good idea. But it's interesting, no doubt. Excellent. Well, it's decision time, listeners. Well, uh, let's get into this conversation with Matt McCambridge of Eden Health. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Matt McCambridge, uh, CEO and founder of Eden Health. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you, you and I have a lot in common, right? We spend all our time in Boston or New York. You're in New York full-time, which is really what I think of as my hometown. Um, so it's, it's, good. it's always good for me as a hometown guy to see some cool venture deals coming out of New York City. Um, although not necessarily the, per, the, the place 
most people think of to start a company. Is there a story as to how you ended up in New York? Yeah, well, I mean, now the ecosystem in New York, particularly around healthcare, is is awesome. So very happy to be here starting it. But that was kind of accidental. Basically, after college, uh, I moved to New York, starting at a place called uh, Insight Venture Partners, doing uh, venture capital and private equity software investing. And so I was based here, very close friend of mine from college moved over here, and we sort of had the idea for Eden Health together, drawing on personal experiences, drawing on investing, and this just was a great place to start it. And you're actually able to rent space in Manhattan at a good price, right? Because that's the hard part, right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's the, literally the most difficult part of the business. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people come into, you know, talk to a lot of healthcare entrepreneurs that come into this thing because, you know, something triggers in their mind where they feel like they've got to get into healthcare. Sometimes it's a personal experience, experience of a friend, or just sort of spending time in the healthcare system and realizing how, how, how difficult it is on patients and, and uh, consumers. What, uh, what prompted you to start Eden? Yeah, well, no different than a lot of other people. Um, I have a horror story in healthcare, and that's what most people do, whether people that we're selling to are patients um, or people starting these companies. So for my part, it was part of my family, um, uh, a few people, but one in particular was going through an extremely long multi-year healthcare journey where there was really no one who was taking the time to dedicate what was needed to figure out what was going on. It was a mysterious illness. And it took eventually a clinician who bucked all the rest of the incentives, um, took time that wasn't getting paid for, and helped to figure out really what the problem was. So that was kind of the, the peak, uh, it piqued my interest, so to speak, in healthcare. So when I was doing it, investing, I was looking at every single software company that was sold into the employer, because the employer has a unique in, ability to change the incentive structure. They can align cost control as well as quality, because I need, obviously, all of their employees to be healthy coming into work. So um, that was the genesis for Eden Health, is going to the employer, getting the engagement that they don't see with their other products that they've been buying and then really changing the whole incentive structure. So what wouldn't be possible elsewhere in the healthcare system could be delivered to the companies that we work with. And, and the, the, the horror story was that you couldn't really, you know, what you were being bounced around to specialists without being able to hone in on a diagnosis or you were having difficulty accessing areas of the healthcare system you need to get access to or, you didn't get the right sort of attention to the issue. What was the real genesis, the sort of co- uh, root cause of the of the difficulty you were having in that in that one scenario? Yeah, well, it, it is a sibling of mine, and basically it was multiple trips to the emergency department, in and out, um, very very serious healthcare complications, but bounced around to dozens, if not hundreds, of specialists with nobody who said, "All right, let's pause, let's plan the next step, um, let's." make sure that, you know, when you do go into the ER, there's a plan in place there. So it was a very involved um, process that was pretty scary for the whole family. But once you had somebody who was able to step back, take a little bit of time, uh, make sure that, you know, you were planning ahead for that situation, that was an entirely different experience. And that was that's part of the experiences um, that we're looking to deliver here at Eden. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? The Let's see if I can put it in, in an interesting co- context here. The the healthcare system does not have project managers, right? They don't right. have anybody who says, "Okay, 
we, we know this is the problem. We, we now have to go through a project to, to diagnose the problem correctly and then ultimately, um, you know, deliver a solution and run that solution in a series of steps. It's, it, it's sort of a, a push model. You get pushed around because the providers don't bill for project management services, generally speaking, although some primary care doctors or some of the guests that I've had on this podcast would argue that's the role of the primary care doctor. But yeah. um, but certainly you don't see it, it happening that that much. You, what you really see is, you know, you, you know, people when it gets complicated, it gets very hard for people to find the right physician to resolve the issue because they're they're all sp- specialized in some things and in other things, you know, they've got to go send you someplace else to get to get care. So um this you you sort of found a you found like this pro bono worker who wanted to help you i i'm curious how did that come about how do you mean pro bono well they it sounds like he's willing to do it without billing right the work uh... oh oh i see i see yeah well um i mean ultimately that person just had seen what the our family had gone through in that process uh-huh. right so um it was you know, they weren't getting paid on the side. Um, this was literally somebody who really took what they were doing uh, medically very seriously and um, decided they were going to spend enough time to to facilitate the process. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, you, you bring up an interesting point there. It's, you know, these stories, you can kind of tell these stories in 60 seconds, but living them takes, you know, months and years uh, of time. And so when you hear these stories again and again, you realize that, you know, it's, what people keep bringing up is really not necessarily when they were sick and, and those moments, but how inhumane a lot of the pieces of the healthcare system were. And then, you know, hopefully you find somebody who really brought the humanity back into it and was able to uh, ignore the fact that they're getting paid for more surgeries and not getting paid for, as you say, project management. So when you, when you um, started Eden, did it have sort of a founding mission? Did you guys say this is the mission of this company? This is what we want to do. Yeah, well, the mission for Eden is to create health and well-being for employees everywhere. And the reason it's employees is because they are unique. Again, the employer is a unique buyer in the healthcare system. So they're able to really change this incentive structure that we've been talking about. Okay, so let's let's jump in. Let's talk about – because I'm, I'm going to get to your ventures capital raising story in a, in a minute. But I, I want to first give uh, – Give me an understanding of what what it is that you're building, um, where how it's different, and how you, and what's and, and and what your uniqueness is relative to what's out in the market today. I mean, I know about it, but you know, I, I'd love to hear your your uh, your description. Yeah, so Eden Health is the first point of contact for employees when encountering the healthcare system. Uh, we're what we call a, a personal health platform, and employers engage with us in order to lower their costs and to provide excellent experience for their employees. And their employees use us because the healthcare system is complicated enough and they just wanna have one place to go when encountering the healthcare system. So they can get 24 seven digital care, same day appointments at our primary care clinics, guidance on specialists, referrals and insurance navigation all in one. And so the way it comes together is what we call virtual primary care. So all that stuff through the app, chronic care, acute care, messaging with the clinician that you can talk to in under five minutes, and then these primary care clinics, and these clinics are dedicated exclusively to uh, employers that we work with. Um, Right now, we have two here in greater New York City, where I'm based right now, 
And um, what comes together for the employee is that 64% of employees use us per year. They use an average about 10 times. So you can really see that by combining all these pieces together in one, uh, your insurance information, your physical health, mental health, financial wellness, all into one, it provides that single place of access for healthcare. And that's what companies are really looking for. It's interesting. I, I you know, I, my, my physician is in New York, um, is with Weill Cornell and it, it, we have a pretty good relationship, but when I see him, it's fast. It's like, bam, you know, he gets me out of there fast. He's good about it. He never makes me feel like he's rushed, but it's like, after it's over, I'm just like, wow, that, that, that only took about 10 or 15 minutes, but he's mm-hmm. pretty good with me in terms of we then, you know, we email back and forth. So we have a little bit of an email relationship, a digital relationship. It's not that sophisticated, um, but he is one of those doctors that's savvy to that. He says, okay, this is what I want you to do. Email me in a couple of weeks. Let me know how you're doing. And I email him and he, and he comes back to me. So, you know, that example of a, of a, of a doctor actually using a digital platform, my own example, if you will, to, to, to care for a patient. I was surprised when you told me that you had clinics in addition to your digital application because a lot of companies mm-hmm. are one or the other. So give me some insight into that. How were you able to pull that off, pull those two things together, and how much of the, um, how much of the work that's being done, if you will, through digital communications is being done by the same physicians you're seeing, or is it a collaborative? How, how, does, that, how does that work? Everyone who sees patients are our employees, um, and we – think it's really, really important that when you're remote, when you're getting what we call virtual primary care, that you're still impaneled to the, the provider. So you're seeing consistent doctors. They're able to take care of you over long periods of time. It's not like back, just urgent care where you're thrown to a new MD each time you reach out to a digital platform. Uh, it allows you to do really interesting things like a recent patient who was diagnosed uh, with cancer moved all of his care onto the Eden Health platform. Um, so we're coordinating all of his specialist care across multiple specialists, all of his primary care, and dealing with insurance. That's coming all through that remote team. So all told, about 70% of our clinical interactions come remotely. About 30% come in our clinics. And the intersection there is really powerful. So if you're able to take care of 70% of all of these clinical interactions remotely, you can spend 45 minutes, an hour with somebody in our clinics, and you can really do much, much more than you would otherwise be able to do as a doctor. You can cover all sorts of different concerns that people have. If it's a very complex case, you can spend the appropriate amount of time and not rush you out in seven minutes. Um, and so we think that that coming together is really powerful. Yeah, so I don't, I, I'm going to use an analogy, see if you think you agree with it. It's a little bit like, create is is merging sort of physician and clinical care with a a customer service or a patient service model and i'm guessing you're scaling those physicians uh with with help probably nurse help or other help so that the digital interactions can get handled at scale is that is that what you're doing that's exactly right um we, they are the mds are supported by physician assistants and nurse practitioners and then you have other folks who are uh, also dealing with some of the insurance problems that come up for, a, for an employee. So uh, when you do and kind of what you're talking about with team-based care, so what ends up happening is that you t- get to take advantage of this team-based care um, by virtue of working with Eden. So you've got 24-7 coverage. You, know, you have experts on 
benefits. You have experts in different areas of the healthcare system. So it allows you to provide much more in a much more scalable way, especially when you add software into the mix. Hey, everyone, excuse this interruption, but I want to talk a bit about Healthogy. I've talked to you about Healthogy in the past. Healthogy is the producer of the Breaking Health podcast and the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. We're also putting out podcasts and events in other spaces in healthcare as well. In fact, this month we have two events, the Respiratory Innovation Summit, which is happening on May 19th in San Diego, and the MedTech Conference, which is happening on May 31st in Minneapolis. The Respiratory Innovation Summit is a day dedicated to looking at innovative technologies in the respiratory field, as the name suggests, and that includes digital health companies. To find out more, go to our website, attendris.com. That is attendris.com, because that's what we'd like you to do. And check out the lineup of companies we have presenting. You might find something interesting. It's going to be a fantastic day. I hope you'll join us there. You are also more than welcome to join us at the MedTech Conference, which is happening on May 31st in Minneapolis. As we all know, and as we've discussed, the wall between digital health and other medical technologies is crumbling. And uh, we'll hit upon that at the MedTech Conference. We have a number of great panels, including one being moderated by Lisa Sunan of GE Ventures. Her panel will just talk about AI and other fields that are, uh, that are impacting medical technology. But uh, you should really take a look at the whole day. Go to medtechconference.com to see that agenda. Go to attend RIS to see more about the Respiratory Innovation Summit. Now let's get back into this podcast. So can we do a, can we do a, can you give me a, a flow of what a consumer, it's starting, and when you start talking about this, it sounds like we're starting to talk more about a consumer, right? I mean, right away, when you described, when you started talking about the model, I thought of a customer service model, right? Where you've got a lot of stuff to, being done sort of backstage. In your case, that would be probably, I'm assuming the nurses and the, the digital platform and then, you know, on stage is the physician when you get to see him. Um, what? Give me an idea of what the experience is like for the consumer when they interact with sort of the the hybrid of the platform. Yeah. So once the employer pays us, uh, you know, engages with Eden, so to speak, that's opened up to all their employees. And we already have all the information about your insurance. We are able to pull information when you log in about um, prescriptions. We have a lot of context about you when you're walking in the door. Uh, which is great as far as the patient's concerned. So what happens is as a employee or a dependent, uh, they download the Eden Health app on their phone. It takes about 60 seconds uh, to log in. They input their sponsoring employer and they're immediately into a what looks like a chat application. So uh, from that point, you can do all sorts of things. If you have a health concern, you can message the average response time is under five minutes to one of our clinicians, and you're immediately immersed in something that's very familiar, which is what looks like texting. You can send photos, you can escalate to phone calls, you can also book appointments through the app as well. So it's a very, we wanted to create a space that was simple for employees. There is no need to add a thousand different screens uh, for people to try to navigate through or behind various different you know, confusing logins. So we wanted to organize and allow you to give uh, really the entire healthcare experience through that one medium. So if you think, I've used Teladoc a couple of times. I'm assuming you probably use it if for no other reason, market research reasons. 
Um, and that's not bad, right? You can either do a phone, but you end up either on the phone or in a video with the position. And then there's some other stuff out there, sort of these diagnostic um, applications that allow you to get diagnosis um, from a physician. And it sounds like you're sort of taking them and you're merging a lot of those capabilities together, looking at your website that includes getting prescription refilled and booking appointments and so on, and then coupling that with the actual physician practice. Um, what is what? What aren't you doing? Because there's a lot that you are doing. So, I mean, you could talk specifically about what you're doing. I'm interested in that in terms of the services that you're providing. But where where does the services stop from from your end? In many ways, what we're trying to do is and doing is providing primary care the way it was supposed to be provided. Primary care is your first point of access. It's supposed to have information about you as a patient, help guide you through the system. Um, and we're augmenting that by uh, including all of these benefits information, right? So when a company logs on, let's say you've got a second opinion service or you've got a gym membership or you have a specific kind of benefit structure, we know all that. So we can contextually recommend where people are going for specialist care as an example. Um, and then the other thing that we do is we also directly work with specialists to get you in faster for appointments uh, if you ever need to come outside of Eden. Um, and that direct contracting and, and direct working with specialists is really powerful because the transitions of care are some of the most dangerous, most fraught parts of the healthcare system. But post-primary care, those aren't our employees anymore. So we still coordinate your care, but you might, you're going to the best you know, cardiologist or uh, the best arthroscopic knee surgeon, um, and we're not employing those folks uh, at this point, at least. So. It's the primary care piece that's really enabled by software, um, and that's where uh, we think is the most powerful point of leverage. So when you go to an employer, you, they're, they're more than likely either self-insured or, or, or they're buying an insurance policy, but regardless, they're buying access to a physician network from one of the, the, the large providers of those networks, right? Usually the, the health plans right. or a PPO, and <clears throat> you're... I, I'm assuming that they've got to insinuate you into that network to the extent that you're not in it um, so that you become an option to the employees in terms of primary care. Is that is that the way that works, or are you working also with the insurance companies to be part of their networks? Yeah, so we're basically already in network with all the insurance companies. If you have a very specific plan, yeah, we are. If, if you have a very specific plan, we might take a little time to do that, but we haven't had that problem yet. So... And, and also, as far as the employer is concerned, they can do a lot of interesting thing with their benefits, particularly if they're self-funded, um, to have their employees never have a copay, you know, never pay anything whenever they use Eden, which is just another benefit for their employees and another reason for employees to choose us as opposed to going somewhere else. So is it just a matter of your finding out, you know, which – so is the employer – subsidizing on top of the insurance policy to work with you, or are you included, are you wrapped inside of the insurance uh, premiums they're paying? Yeah, so basically for self-funded, um, you pay us a portion of what you would otherwise be paying to primary care, and you just do that directly uh, to us, and we never, ever charge your insurance. In the case of a fully insured group, uh, you pay us a premium, and then at a premium, you pay us a subscription, and then we charge your insurance for in-office visits. So we have those two models that are flexible, but for self-funded, you really wanna be going after uh, cost savings. And so that capitated model 
allows you to be much more flexible and return all sorts of data as well as uh, cost savings uh, and data about those cost savings back to the employer on a monthly basis. So how are you doing? Can you share any of that, uh, uh, the money you're saving for your employers? Yeah, so for some of these companies, I mean, we're on track to save around 10% of the insurance revenues uh, for them. It depends on exactly your disease burden. So if you're an extremely healthy company, um, you know, there's a little bit less savings as opposed to a company that uh, may have uh, several pages, uh, you know, a lot of folks with chronic or comorbid conditions. So there's a spectrum there. Um, but the cost savings is something that's really, really important for really any company's bottom line. Paying ten, fifteen thousand dollars per employee per year on healthcare is is not sustainable for for these companies at this point. I mean, ten percent's a lot. Are you? Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of ways you can do this, right? You can just do a pure fee for service model. You know, pay me X PMPM to capitate for primary care, or you could do a small fee and a risk and a, and a cost sharing. Or you could work all on risk. How do you? How, how did you guys decide to go to market with this? Yeah. So the cost sharing piece is uh, is or the, the the shared savings piece is, is a tough thing to do because you don't want to be clawing back money from the employer mm-hmm. at the end of the year. They're not happy about that <laughs> at the end of the day, no matter how much savings you had. Right. So the way we think about it is basically you're going to pay a uh, for Eden basically what you're paying for primary care, um, for the people who are using it. And then uh, we're going to commit to you around levels of saving as well as levels of utilization. And that's how we do it. Uh, So the the employer is not taking on any additional risk uh, from it, but uh, we're giving the opportunity to make sure they feel comfortable making that investment ahead of time. So where are you work? Where where do you have, uh, where are you available today? What, what parts of the country? So if you are a company in greater New York City, you can just slot right into Eden and immediately start using our nearsight clinics. If you were going to go out, say, uh, further from there and you want an on-site clinic, um, then we can operate pretty much anywhere um, as long as you have about 1,000 employees or more. And uh, the one thing that we have been starting to roll out now, which is not yet in market but is coming, is what we call virtual primary care. So let's say you're distributed across an entire state. We're delivering a fully virtual primary care experience for you um, with these dedicated uh, remote folks. And so, you know, as you add more people in a given geography, we'll add clinics there. But that virtual experience, which is where we're doing the majority of our care right now, is really exciting for distributed workforces. So, uh, listen, I know you were a venture capitalist, at least for, you know, a few years there. Then you go out and you got to raise money for your company. So it's like, you know, the hunter becomes the hunted, right? So. <laughs> it's a different experience being be on the other side of the table. And, and well, uh, Did you have I, good I karma just, would be my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I learned how bad some of the questions I used to ask were yeah. uh, by being on this side of things. But, uh, no, it was, it was a pretty good experience overall. I mean, it takes, um, takes time obviously to do it. You have to have your numbers down. Uh, there's no substitute for having happy customers. Uh, so that was really something I knew I had to have a place ahead of time. But the experience was uh, was good. I mean, a, a lot of these investors, they understood that uh, healthcare is a bit of a different market than other markets. They have to be 
uh, educated on that. So once, once we, we find those kinds of folks, like we did with Graycroft and some of the other investors in this round, uh, it really came together in a, in a good way and with, with some committed capital partners. Did you do it by yourself? Did you hire somebody to help you find and make introductions? How did you go about raising the money? Yeah, I did it by myself or by ourselves. Uh, yeah. You know, it takes everyone in the company to, uh, you know, to do a lot of things you're doing. But I, w I went out there. I was fortunate to know a lot of folks from what I was doing investing. And then in the early stage, which I think is interesting, it's a little bit different than growth stage. You know, there's a lot of collaboration between firms. Mm -hmm. So people aren't as territorial as you might get in a, in a growth or, or private equity round. Uh, when there's just less, you know, room to go around. So uh, got a lot of introductions from folks too, which was nice. So, and, and they've got a pretty good network in New York, right? I mean, you've got the accelerators and you got all these people that, did you jump into an accelerator when you started or did you just, did you do it on your own? How did you go about getting the thing off the ground? Yeah. So we did a friends and family mm -hmm. uh, round, some angels, some, some prominent healthcare angels. And that's how we got started. And we really, our view was we had to get into market as quickly as we could because a lot of what we learned came from seeing patients ultimately, right? And making sure you're providing good care, figuring out where the pieces of leverage in, in technology was. So that's what we did. And then once we saw it working, we went to the, uh, the firms. Well, very good. I really like the model. I like the model of, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could have thought about doing this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have come at it through the employer for more of a concierge type of a service. Um, you could have come at, come at it through the insurance company, but you decided to come at it through the primary care side. Um, and, you know, we've, we've talked to some of the, the you know, the primary, primary care is sort of, uh, as, a, as, a, as a healthcare investment, is undergoing a little bit of a renaissance. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, the Ioras and the others is sort of building these. And, and you know, a couple of uh, health plans have, you know, gone back to, you know, the group model is sort of an option, but I thought it was really cool, but I, I'm guessing the real, the real exciting side of it when you were raising money um, for the investors was the scalability of the software. And, and just tell me the story about writing the software, building the software. And did you know when you started the company that you were going to do physical clinics or have, have relationships with the physician, or did you think you were initially building a tool was there a pivot involved? I'd love to sort of understand how you end up where you are. Going into the company, both myself and, and my co-founder, Scott Sansevich, we had a particular view of what was going well and what wasn't going well in healthcare software. So our view is that we have a lot of pieces of software in healthcare that just sit on top of broken systems and broken incentives. So you had to fix the underlying processes in order to have any hope of the software itself being scalable. So we actually approached from a perspective of, at least at the beginning uh, and for the foreseeable future, um, you know, we're gonna be owning these clinics. And that is the full stack approach that allows us to then build hyper-efficient software and workflows that are really tightly integrated, both on behalf of patients and behalf of our providers to then um, be able to scale more effectively. So, you know, when you have old, when you have these kind of new approach to primary care, a lot of the stuff we're doing has not been able to be done before in healthcare. You know, there's newly built APIs that you're able to build on top of. There's a lot more data out there. 
there's new ways of interacting and, com and a level of comfort with interacting with technology. So um, I think it's a, the right time to really uh, think about healthcare in a different way uh, and to really integrate the virtual primary care side with in-person primary care side. Yeah, and I'm assuming you couldn't build the whole infrastructure yourself, right? So you had right. to probably uh, inter interface to some third parties that um, like practice management software or something like that. Um, so you could sort of create the spend your money on creating something unique versus something that's already in place. So I'm imagining it was a fairly involved IT project as well as a, as a, as building, you know, a network of doctors. You had to go hire doctors. Right? Yep. Yeah, we did. I mean, I'm a huge proponent of Athena, uh, as a tool. Ah. It is, it has strong APIs. It has a ton of endpoints for the technical folks out there and it allows you to really have manipulate your data and use your data on behalf of patients, on behalf of providers. So if that kind of provides a, an EMR that you can go and build off of, then you're able to do a lot of cool work elsewhere in, in the stack. So uh, I'm a big believer in, in what they're doing and, and it's made it possible for us to uh, build other pieces of software, software that are exciting. And I can't take any credit for the design of that because again, my, my co-founder, um, built the first version himself, did it up himself. And um, so a <laughs> uh, lot, lot of collaboration there, but uh, he's, you know, has a lot to do with, with the wide worked at this point. Well, great. Uh, you know, we're bumping up around uh, our time limits. Uh, sort of the last question would be just let the audience know how they can find out more about you. Are you, I know you've got a website, edenhelp.com, but are you blogging, Twittering, um, Vid, you know, vlogging, what, or do you have a, a podcast yourself? Like, what, what do you, where's the, where do people find out more? I don't know. Maybe I'm inspired. I can do a podcast after this. This is good. Um, <laughs> the, pretty much everything's on EdenHealth.com. So okay. if you're, that's yeah, a good website. If you, as a employee, want your company to have Eden Health, go on there. You can reach out to us. If you're a company who wants your, Employees have it do the same. And then if you want to look at any stuff that we've been writing up, we have a little blog on there um, that we're going to continue to update. So uh, I think that's the, the number one resource uh, for us. And then, of course, we'll be at some conferences uh, over the course of the next year. Terrific. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for talking with me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It was fun. Um, hopefully, we can have more of these conversations in the future. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a wrap. Thank you, Breaking Health Podcast listeners, for joining us on the podcast. It's great to have you here. It's great to have you subscribe. It's great to have you give us a ranking on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. All of that helps. So does telling your friends. So does reaching out to me. I am at MedTechTom on Twitter, or you can reach me at Tom at HealthAG.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y.com. HealthAG is the company that produces the Breaking Health Podcast and, of course, the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit is happening on October 11th in Boston. Go to dhis.net to register. People are already registering, as I've said previously and always say, this does sell out, so I don't see a real valid reason for waiting. So go to dhis.net, register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, and we'll see you in Boston, my hometown.